0: And we are back with what Barry's talking about from Barry 360 after a couple of weeks break for the holidays. Hope it was a good time for you. I'm Dan Blakely on this week's program, sussing out the real estate market as we begin the new year. Good time to buy, good time to sell or still best to stand pat. The Barry Colts looking to reverse their fortunes next season, making a few changes this week. We get the lowdown. How Simcoe County is helping the homeless and how a soup making competition is helping the homeless and others. We get the conversation
1: that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
0: A new year, and there is new hope for the real estate market locally. High interest rates have taken a lot of steam out of the market, but there's some light starting to shine at the end of the hallway. Perry 360's Ian McLennan gets the lay of the land from local realtor Peggy Hill.
2: The so-called experts, the analysts are predicting that we could see a market rebound nationwide, depending on whether the Bank of Canada starts cutting its key interest rates. How much of that was a factor last year in terms of interest rates, mortgage rates, and on the market locally?
3: So I think the biggest misconception about real estate in 2023 was that there were no buyers. There were buyers. We had tons of buyers. They just couldn't qualify in order to buy. So those buyers are still there and it only makes sense as the rates come down that those buyers will re-engage in this market so i think when you look at the market as a whole it's very healthy we don't we have listings we don't have that many listings so it's not like saturated by any means however as the rates come down real estate will get sparse again i think the sweet spot in 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 real estate in Simcoe County cuz everywhere is different. Yeah. 4% seems to be a trigger for a lot of activity. And
2: right now we're at
3: 5%. We are. We we saw one lender go just under 5 mm. and then the rest of them will come the big banks will have to join in. But when you see rates get to about 4%, that's when you see bidding wars. That's when you see, you know, the frenzy come back in real estate. At 5%, we're just, we're cruising. We're, we're smooth. We're cruising.
2: But what about the listings themselves in terms of the price? I think it was... Uh Average of uh, six hundred eighty-one thousand in Barrie in November, right? Um, and uh, which was a <clears throat> um, a dip from right. previous. Is that again the market factor, or I mean, people obviously want the the most they can get for their home.
3: They can, but y- you have to look at it. Is if you're buying and selling, if I were buying and selling, I'd be doing it in this market because at least I have choice as far as buying. Because if you wait longer and the rates come down, and your price may go up, but so will what you're buying. So it's it's some. I wouldn't wait if I were buying and selling. If I were strictly selling, I might throw the dice and wait a couple of months and see where the Bank of Canada lands. And I mean, the bond market has a mind of its own. So we've seen the bond market drop, which makes the five-year fix drop. Now, when the Bank of Canada actually starts dropping, and they're they're thinking it'll probably be middle of the year, that's when we'll see more activity in the variables and in the five year fixed.
2: And what was what was the challenge um, for you, say in two thousand twenty three, when people are concerned, obviously about interest rates? You say people have been shut out because of that five percent factor. What was your challenge as a, a realtor?
3: So I found my greatest challenge last year was let you know people would ask me is this a good time to sell and it, it's very difficult to tell somebody yes it's a good time to sell when you don't believe it in your heart that it's not and and but the problem is we didn't know when the next best time was coming because it's been doom and gloom for a lot of 2023 and it, it isn't even a matter of getting somebody qualified because I could get somebody qualified but does it make sense it Am I going to talk you into buying a townhouse that's going to cost you $5,000 a month to carry? Absolutely not. No. That's insane. So that, that, that was a very, very tricky situation. And, and we have come down. We, we went up April and May when the rates were about four, or four and a quarter. The, the prices were going up, and then the Bank of Canada raised again, and that was it.
2: Are buyers reluctant? Still reluctant? <laughs>
3: I, I don't think the buyers are as reluctant as people think they are. Okay. They're ready to go. They just don't have. They can't qualify, and they
2: don't have the means right now.
3: They don't have the means, and it has to make sense at the end of the day. So, if I'm going to pay rent for three thousand or own for five, I'm going to pay rent. You know, that two thousand dollars is a deal breaker.
2: And is Barry? Do you look at other markets too, like Aurelia and what have you? Yes. Yeah. But what what makes Barry unique? Say. Um, I mean you can't compare Canada. Why? Because Barrie's close no, to the GTA. No. You got that population growth too. What's unique about Barrie that's different from other communities?
3: So I mean, Simcoe County as a whole is what where where right. we sell and I mean Barry as a whole, it Barry's market is very fluid. Like we buy and sell a lot. So if if you're looking to buy a home where you know that you can sell it, Barry's probably your place because you, you start going outside of Barrie and the time on market takes longer and there are fewer buyers. But because of our access to the 400, I mean, people still commute to Toronto living in Barrie where, you know, you start going further out north. It, it it adds to your time. So we're still about an hour from the GTA, which really, I mean, that's that's one of our biggest selling features.
2: Was the pandemic a misnomer in terms of what we saw with the prices, you know, housing prices going up and also we had low interest rates then. Was Was that a, a blip or...
3: I, I think the communities that saw the most increase during COVID, such as Barry, are also saw the biggest correction after the pandemic ended. So we went up the fastest, we went down the fastest. But we've, we've seemed to have gained some middle ground now where people are, you know, the prices have kind of stopped dipping. But yes, the pandemic was an anomaly. It was people, all of a sudden, they could buy a house up here And they didn't have to travel because, you know, taking that, traveling to Toronto every day, it it takes a lot out of people.
2: There's a lot out of that budget outside of when you're paying a mortgage, but then there's the the on top of.
3: But the difference was they can come up here and buy a house with a backyard where in Toronto they were were barely getting a, a small condo. So that was the difference. But as our prices increased, it made us less attractive to the GTA buyers.
2: And there, who's, who's coming, who is buying, um, if not uh, maybe just new homes, but the resale, Who, who who's the demo?
3: So, I th- I and this is another misconception that, that a lot of people feel that it's all Toronto buyers coming up here. That th- There are some Toronto buyers coming up here, but most of the traffic that happens in Barrie real estate happens between the people that live here. Upsizing, downsizing, most of it's internal. Most of it is internal. And a lot of people that grew up in Barrie are having a hard time you know, adjusting because now we're a big city. And so they would move to Springwater, they would move to Orillia, they would move, you know, further north just to get that small town feel back.
2: What about new home buyers who are just starting out saying, you know, I, I can't, I got a rent and I can barely afford that. I can't do berry. I do have to look outside and people seem to look north. Is that is that the smart solution? or
3: It is. A, I think the smartest thing to do is if you can get into this market, get into this market. And if that means buying in Midland, or if that means buying further north, then I would get in it, like no matter what, because there will come a time when it would be impossible to get into this market. So while we're in a pullback, I would probably be... The, the time that I would be looking to get into the market.
2: We were talking to somebody back so I remember the early nineteen eighties interest rates are through the roof. That yeah you've sailed these waters before?
3: Yes, of course. But we have never had different though. We haven't had rates this high and house prices this high. So that's the that's the difference. In the eighties, yes, we had twenty percent interest rates, but houses were two hundred thousand. When you try to do that now It's impossible. It's impossible over 6% is what kills our market. 6% interest rates kills this market.
0: As Peggy mentioned, one lender has already taken some rates below the 5% mark, the hope being the Bank of Canada will start lowering its rate instead of holding the line as it has the last couple of times it's considered its trend-setting rate. The Barry Colts are on the outside of the playoff picture, looking in. The OHL trade deadline passed this week. The Colts, sellers this year, looking ahead to next year. Our Will Konkin gets an update from Colts writer and broadcaster Gene Pereira.
1: Long time no talk, Gene, and uh, lots has been going on for the Colts. Uh, the trade deadline came and went, and oh boy, we had ourselves some trades. The aim was uh, future assets and young players. Um, but maybe before we get into the moves, how would you rate the Colts' uh, trade deadline overall?
4: Well, I, you know, when you look at the the deals that were made and uh, the way it worked out, uh, I, I think probably a C plus is a, is a fair grade. And uh, uh I just think the Punnett in the in the Thornton deals, when you look at those especially um, you know, I I think uh, Thornton returning back late, kinda tough to move an overage goalie. And Punnett was a surprising player that you thought a lot more teams would be interested in and uh and the Colts had to kinda work uh to, to get him a deal to a, a, a contender and uh so, I think when you look at the overall grade, probably a c plus is fair, which you know isn't isn't bad. they added some assets, but uh I, I think they probably expected uh, a, a little bit, uh, a couple of bigger deals.
1: So maybe we'll start from, uh, from start to finish with the timeline of how things uh, unfolded. So they wrapped up last weekend with a win over the Sioux Greyhounds. Then a day later, lined up a trade with them. So Jacob Frasca is on his way to Sault Ste. Marie. Um, what do you make of the trade? Sad to see Frasca go. He was a good player for the club. Um, and, and what did the Colts get in return?
4: Yeah, that's a deal that I thought was really good for both teams. Uh, I mean, obviously the Greyhounds get a great veteran. Frasco who's one of the top uh, face-off guys. He's going to help them there. can help him on the power play penalty kill. Uh, he's going to be an outstanding pickup for the Sioux, and the Colts got a pretty good return. I mean, a second- and a third-round pick for an overager, two high draft picks, uh, and they get a veteran, uh, Brendan Sirizati, uh an overager back that can help them in their push for their playoffs uh, a guy that can kind of step in on that top six and provide some offense so I thought overall it was a, it was a very good uh, deal for both teams uh, uh, you know it was nice to see Frasca score two goals against the Greyhounds uh, in his final game as a Barry Colt and you could tell the way he celebrated that he kind of knew he was going to get moved and uh uh, I guess the grounds could see firsthand what they were getting uh, that night.
1: So then uh fast forward, one day only actually. the Colts then made uh, some other moves ahead of the deadline, added three more players and ten draft picks and a conditional pick uh for overagers uh Connor Punnett, Anson Thornton, import uh Edward Chalet and Olivier uh Savard. Uh a lot more movement gene in this one. Uh break this uh break it down for us. What are the Colts getting?
4: Yeah, it was Tuesday was the overage deadline at noon and uh You know, starting with the overagers, um, you know, uh, uh, Anson Thornton had had been returned to the club. He's injured. Uh, He's going to be out another four to six weeks. And that uncertainty, I think, really, you know, really uh, hurt them in in moving Thornton um, uh, and getting assets back. And uh, at the end of the day, it was more of a paper move and moving him to Niagara to clear up an overage spot uh, for Ben West. So, I mean, when you take it from there, uh, you know, uh, it was more a move, uh, uh, you know, to reward West who had played really well, uh, you know, because the Colts would have had the decision that they would have had to uh, probably uh, release one of West or Thornton. So this way uh, they didn't get, you know, again, they didn't get anything in return. But uh, teams just with his injury issues, uh, there just wasn't certainly there. Then Connor Punnett. Uh, was moved to to Oshawa, and again the Colts get uh, Thomas Stewart there again, a, a veteran that can log a ton of min, minutes on the back end of their drive for the playoffs there, and, and they get a, a draft pick. And I think talking to Marty Williamson, uh, that was more of a deal that they wanted to do right by Connor, give him a an opportunity. He was more than willing to stay in Barry and help the young club, but uh, I think the decision was that he would go to Oshawa. And with a chance in a wide open East there that he could lead them uh, to some success uh, again, uh, the return I don't think was what they expected. But uh, just with that O A market, all that movement, it, uh, there just didn't seem to be an open spot for Connor. Uh, and I think some of these teams are going to regret not acquiring him. Uh, you know, and then the, the Chalet and Savard deal. Um, you know, it, it didn't, uh, I think, uh, you know, Edward uh, had kind of really struggled. I mean, he came in a, a top uh, uh, first round pick uh, with a Seattle Kraken, and I think much more was expected. And uh, I think the Colts, with the uncertainty about his return next year, uh, they looked to the future there and uh, as well had to pay, package Olivier Savard as the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, we're looking for a veteran defenseman there, and the Colts get a whole whack of picks there—eight uh, picks in all. Uh, pretty solid return, and as well, they get two players from Kitchener, and uh, and Carl uh, Morty, and uh, you know a hard-nosed defenseman uh, as well. That uh, you know that they're going to get more opportunity than they were in Kitchener. They weren't playing much, so an opportunity for these two guys to second-year players to. Uh, to kind of see how they can fill in and they can do more. So a pretty decent return and and certainly a pretty busy deadline day for them uh, as well.
1: So these new-look Colts are going to take to the ice against the Niagara Ice Dogs uh, tonight and then the uh, Brantford Bulldogs on Saturday. Uh, Thanks again for breaking all this down for us, Gene. Thanks, Will.
0: What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on What Barry's Talking About, helping the homeless find shelter on a cold night and how a soup making competition is helping those in need. Now this. It's cool to care. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling 1-888-2-donate.
5: Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at PeggyHill.com.
1: It's cool to care with 107.5 Cool FM.
0: This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Want to bring you up to speed on a fundraising effort last fall. Final numbers are in for the annual Soup Off in support of We Unite and Redwood Park communities. Tina Sovey is the brains behind this event. Tina, how did it come about?
5: The Soup Off is an event that sort of happened actually nine years ago. We were trying to figure out how to bring communities together to do something philanthropic and everyone is so busy. And we wanted to do something where people had to roll up their sleeves and uh, to give back to the community. So uh, it sort of organically grew. It was a really fun way to get together and make soup and horseshoe resort. Really jumped on board and said, we will donate the space the ingredients, the chefs, and uh, you just make make sure we get people here. And we started with 30 people our very first year, and this year we topped up at around 200 participants. Wow. And I believe our, um, our revenue in the end that goes directly back into keeping We Unite going for the year uh, was, I think it was $13,000. And uh, we made 87 or 84 liters of soup that goes directly to the Redwood community uh, for their Soup Tuesdays.
0: That's awesome. Now, those those numbers of people that took part were broken off into different groups. It wasn't each individual making their own soup.
5: Correct, yes. They're on teams. There are 10 teams, so they're rather large. Uh, this year, was they were very big teams, so <laughs> yeah. we are... Now trying to figure out another way to do it so more people can get in on making this soup. Uh, But yeah, so they all get different uh, actual recipes. So they don't know what soup they're going to make. They get all of the ingredients to make that soup. And then there's a center table that they can really, you know, jazz up their soup. And uh, they compete for the best soup. So we have then three chefs that uh, judge the soup and... um, There's dancing and uh, lots of fun and meeting new friends.
0: Lots of merriment.
5: Yes. (laughs) Let me ask
0: you this, though. If you have that many people on each of those teams, did you have situations where, you know, there were too many cooks and it spoiled the broth?
5: (laughs) Honestly, Dan, um, I wish I could tell you that 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 is the case. Often what happens is... There's about two or three chefs, and uh, <laughs> the rest are indulging in some beverages and making new friends. Um, but usually, there's only a few <laughs> and
0: donating to the cause,
5: yes, absolutely. So
0: tell us about uh, about the t- the two causes and and uh, how important they are.
5: so we unite has been around now. We're going on our fourteenth year. I always say I wish I would have known that this was what it would be because it was it happened organically. And uh, we unite really came from uh, just the just the desire to try to help with isolation and just the ecosystem that we live in today. And so it started as a community group to help families that were in crisis, whether it be a health related crisis um, or you know a fire, something, some sort of crisis. And over the years, we've grown to over 500 ambassadors for We Unite. We deliver food when people are now in a health crisis, and I have to emphasize health crisis because we do have a challenge with food everywhere now. And um, and then the other aspect of what we do is we really try to support community, our community members who have lost someone way too early. And uh, so we deliver lanterns on Christmas Eve to remember those people lost in our community, and we do a butterfly release in June uh, to bring life back to those people that uh, have lost their loved ones. And other than that, we just feed people because that's uh, one of the easiest things to do when people really need help. Redwood is actually a really interesting story because at the beginning of Soup Off, uh, almost 10 years ago, we used to go and donate the soup to as many shelters that would take the soup. And, uh, Redwood always had their arms open and were always willing to take it. And then they started to ask if they could come and see what it was that happened. And I'll never forget the first year they came because some of their recipients of the soup came to Soup Off. And they they thought it was um, a small group of women in the basement of a church <laughs> that were building and making this suit for them. And they showed up and saw, you know, well over a hundred people that came together and they were extremely touched. And, uh, so now we are so fortunate that we on Tuesdays is when they have their therapy sessions. And, um, and it's our community soup that supports them after their therapy sessions on Tuesdays.
0: I can hear people asking the question, uh, people who are hearing this, uh, wondering how they can get involved with, with either, uh, If because everybody wants to help, everybody wants to lend a hand in some way, shape, or form, and this is going to touch some people more than others. How can they get involved?
5: So with We Unite, it's a, it's a really unique uh, organization in the sense that we require no Uh, financial uh, requirement to get in and support. uh, And we don't require you to commit to a certain amount of hours. It really is meant for being involved when you can and how you can. If your only way to support is financial, then at that time, then we're happy to support our causes that we need financially. Um, And if you want to roll up your sleeves and, you know, uh, help set up for a butterfly release or, or make a meal for a family who uh, really needs it, that's how you can get involved with We Unite at join join at weunite.ca. As far as Redwood, uh, I would encourage everybody to check out Redwood. Uh, they do so much that I don't even think I could explain in this short time, uh, but they are so involved and invested as an organization to really support affordable housing um, for women coming out of uh, shelters and really needing to get their life back on track. And um, and they just, there's such a wide scope. They lobby at government levels to help support those less fortunate than us. And, uh, and just look up Redwood communities and there are many ways that I think uh, the community can get involved.
0: If you want to get involved in this year's soup-off, mark the date down. It's November 15th. To learn more about We Unite, the website is weunite.ca and you can find Redwood Park Communities at redwoodparkcommunities.com Not a lot of extremely cold nights yet this winter, but a few prompting the opening of overnight shelters for those who want to take advantage of them. Our Ian McLennan is back in conversation with Mina Fayez-Bagat, General Manager of Social and Community Services with the County of Simcoe about what services the county is providing and how those services are growing.
2: The County of Simcoe has an extensive program with regards to helping those who are vulnerable, experiencing homelessness in terms of uh, accommodation during the winter months. Give us an idea, how extensive is it? And uh, it's. I've seen over the past year, it seems to really has ramped up a bit. There's been quite a focus on that.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um you know the county of Simcoe uh, in 2023 going into the winter season um, started to create um, some comprehensive planning to enhance our overall shelter system um, and a part of that plan had a winter response strategy that we also introduced in october of 23. between the two what we're, our thought process was is to create more overall shelter programming during the day um, as well as uh, start to create warming centers Alternative spaces, additional spaces, as well as an intensified outreach in order to be ready for the winter for those who are outside and, and really the basic uh, premise of the plan is that anyone who is willing to come inside during the inclement weather has an opportunity to do so and have a space throughout the county to do so.
2: Why the push now?
6: I think with, with planning for emergency shelters and homelessness, our data has been something that we've been really focused on. So in 2023, we launched an open data strategy that started to inform us a little bit better of who's using our system when they're using our system, and how many people need our system. Um, And based on that information is how we customized and narrowly tailored our uh, overall shelter strategy, as well as our outreach strategy, as well as our winter response strategy.
2: Give us an example of
6: what's available right now in Barrie, specifically with winter. So in Barrie, there's a series of different things. So specifically for winter, we've, we've Obviously, have our twenty-four, our two hundred twenty-four bed uh, shelter beds across the county. Um, the city of Barrie has about sixty um, percent of those beds uh, available through primarily uh, three major shelter programs and then a youth uh, shelter program. On top of that, in all of those programs, we've created this thing called the alternative space activation model. So when the inclement weather um, goes uh, be- below minus seven. This is where they can, uh, each shelter program can activate their alternative spaces to bring in as many people as possible. The city of Barrie has an additional 30 spaces there. On top of that, we've done our shelter overflow at Rose Street, and that's now been activated up to 40 beds with 18 hours of services, including overnight services and some now daytime services, which was an increase from last year. Um, So between those three kind of approaches, you can see that we've now started to create more programs in the city of Barrie. On top of that, uh, we created um, 24-hour kind of year-round warming center programs in the South Simcoe, as well as in the city of Aurelia. And what we're doing is we're offering travel and transport for uh, spaces there. So if someone, again, is willing to come inside and they're in Barrie and for some reason... Uh, There is no more space in Barry. we can then still use those other two locations that overflow.
2: And uh, in terms of uh, dollars and cents, is this strictly funded by the county? Do you
6: get any supports from other levels of government to do what you're doing? Yeah, all three levels. So uh, we've got support from the federal and provincial government to fund all the things I had just mentioned. And then particularly specific to the warming center programs, the city of Barrie has been a 50-50 contributor to those programs. So they've helped uh, us uh, get half the way to the program on the Warming Centre, the Daytime Warming Centre that we're doing in the city of Barrie. And with the shelter overflow at, at Rose Street, uh, they've certainly been contributing as well to that program, including its capital uh, purchase uh, that happened uh, two, two winters ago.
2: Yeah, and you had the Rose Street location last winter, I believe. What did you find, you know, in terms of, uh, I know it it fluctuates all over the place, but what, what benefits uh, did Rose Street offer and continues to offer,
6: I would imagine? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Row Street has been a, a really incredibly successful program. Our data told us that in the winter, it was being used around 75% of its overall capacity. Um, and that has to do with people getting used to the location and understanding the program and what was available. Uh, that was during the winter. But in the summer... Um, we were able to introduce rapid rehousing programs, and we were focused on 20 individuals that came from our shelter system um, and have them permanently be housed throughout the throughout the uh, summer, and then once the program ended, would have per- permanent housing uh, and not reenter our shelter system. So the majority of the clients that participated in that pro- uh, program, I think it was. 18 or 19 out of the 22 or something like that ended up with permanent housing. So this this facility taught us that we can use it for emergency overflow as a shelter, but also as a housing program to get people directly housed and out of the shelter system. So if you think about it, 22 beds were also opened up by the use of, of, of the program in the summer. So that increased our, our shelter capacity um, more than we would have had the year before.
2: And you've got... Uh, some people now that have a roof over their over their heads, I guess. Absolutely, permanently. I mean, do you really want to grow this program, or what? What's, what do you see long term? What uh, does what's the county see in terms of the, these centers?
6: I think, I think yes. Um, so the county is is in the process of using federal and provincial funding um, to to create more of these facilities that allow for dual, dual services, emergency shelter programming, as well as rapid rehousing programming. And you'll see, um, hopefully in the next few months, we'll be t- going to council with a report sharing back our strategy in 2024. We anticipate to increase those programs as well as we anticipate to increase more warming programs that are 24-7. We also, um, you know, intend to increase um, a lot of our food security programs. So we're not only addressing homelessness, but we're addressing the poverty reduction as a whole. Um, so you'll start seeing again us in the city of Barry uh, has have invested two hundred thousand to making sure throughout, throughout the winter and throughout um, the next uh, six months that uh, those experiencing homelessness have a, a ready available meal. Once a day, throughout all these different uh, church, uh, our churches and our kind of nonprofit and charitable uh, agencies, providing food services across uh, every day, every day in the week.
2: What are what are some of the challenges that uh, you do face, or uh, maybe even see long term could face? I'm just wondering because you're, Simcoe County is unique, and then it's got Barry really and Aurelia, the major urban centers, but you got large communities like Collingwood, Alliston, that they're growing and um, people moving yeah. up here. And I'm just curious what what those challenges might
6: be. Yeah, definitely as a system service manager, we, we take a system approach, a regional approach. So we are investing in South Simcoe, making sure that their shelter systems are now operating not seasonally, but all year round, that their outreach team has been intensified to cover a larger geography than it used to. Um, we're investing in Collingwood, making sure that their shelter is now a permanent location with all year-round services. And we're investing in Midland in the same way, making sure that their shelter is operating twenty-four hours a day with daytime and and overnight programming. Uh and we're doing the same in Wasega Beach. And the idea here uh and in in the city of Aurelia, we're doing the same thing there to address encampments. And the idea here is that if you if you take a system approach, you relieve pressure On the urban centers like Aurelia and Barrie that are often seeing migration to access services So this regional approach the data is telling us will will ultimately result in a balanced service delivery That allows for a little bit of the overpopulation that may be happening Especially in the warmer months to be addressed by rapid rehousing programs by um, By non-seasonal shelters now like shelters that are available all the time in the surrounding community
2: Finally, what metrics do you use to say, hey, you know what, this this is working? Obviously, you tweak things, but what do you use to say, hey, you know, we're, we're we're we've got the
6: right approach here? There's many metrics, but the primary one that's the best practice is to look at the overall chronic homeless number. Those experiencing homelessness for longer than 180 days or multiple times within a two-year period are are that that's the number we look at. We want that number to shrink, and we want uh, those experiencing homelessness to have a a rare, brief, and non-reoccurring experience.
0: For more on the county's homeless initiatives, log on to simcoe.ca slash dpt sh. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical tweaking, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360 and on our website, barry360.com. There's also our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.